evening everyone and welcome back to my podcast so for today i'm going to be talking about some things that are not fully in the theme of stuff i've been writing about or podcasting about but i have taken this class this term on intellectual property and submitting this for the class as well as submitting it to the public because i think it's a very interesting thing to talk about. So what I'm going to be talking about today uh, is basically an intersection of three of my interests and qualifications, if you want to call it that. Basically, I'm going to be talking about the music industry, law, namely the law of copyright, and I'm also going to be talking about where we can fit philosophy in here uh, as a former philosophy major turned law student, I am very interested in looking at the ethical implications of our laws or what kind of ethical reasoning we can use to justify different legal results. And I really think that there's something interesting to be said here when it comes to the music industry because there is an ethical element to music and I'm going to talk about that today uh, as well when we talk about the role that morality plays in intellectual property legislation. So recently there's been a boom in musical lawsuits against popular artists like Dua Lipa who I wrote a blog post about on the IP Law website, I'll link it in the show notes, uh, as well as Ed Sheeran. I admittedly had to practice saying his last name because I say it wrong all the time. I apologize. So labels and Ed Sheeran himself have expressed concern that this boom in lawsuits has suppressed artists from releasing hits. And they've also argued that litigiousness in the area of music where there are a finite amount of chord progressions melodies and even lyrics can prove to be problematic and what's copyrightable in music is sometimes a matter of debate or there's at least some uh, generative discussion about what is copyrightable so i'll also talk about that and go through uh, what kind of things in music you can actually put a copyright on and what you can't but nonetheless, so to respond to this issue, uh, two guys, Damien Real, who's a musician with a law degree, and Noah Rubin, who's a musician and a software developer, made every possible musical melody as MIDI files. They then released them under the Creative Commons Zero license, and they claimed that the reason why they did it wasn't just for practical reasons, namely you know, we want to uh, <laughs> we want to make it so that, you know, you don't get sued for these certain melodies, but they kind of wanted to prove a point and articulate a philosophy that they believe in or a moral precept. And that is that musicians in doing their craft should not have to worry about getting sued because melodies can very easily overlap, especially because there's a finite amount of chords in music. And anyone who plays music knows this. There's a select amount of keys that you can play your music in. Uh, there's a lot of songs, or even if you write a song, someone might come to you and say, your song sounds like this song because it has the same chord progression. 
and we don't want the fear of a lawsuit <laughs> lingering over us for obvious reasons. But anyway, the, the actions of these two people got me thinking about how we can use philosophy to think about the purpose of copyright and the music industry and what it's really doing for us. So how do we justify copywriting music on a philosophical level? And, and e we also have an e economic reason as well, but I want to focus on the philosophical reasons. Importantly, what we don't want is that we don't want our laws to contradict the purpose that made us put the laws in place to begin with. And I think that's kind of been the central concern with a lot of copyright lawsuits, right? And so on today's episode, I'm going to look at how we justify copyright. And I'm going to be doing this by looking at three philosophical justifications for property and apply that to intellectual property and more specifically musical copyright. So these three models are the Hegelian self-actualization model, the Lockean labor theory model, and the utilitarian model. Now that sounds like a mouthful already, so before we get into that, I'm gonna take a step back and talk about the purpose of copyright and what role it's played in music so far. I should also note that I am a Canadian law student and much of the musical lawsuits do take place in the US. So while I might make reference to Canadian case law and talking about the values that animate our copyright law, um, when I start to talk more about the music industry itself, uh, there's definitely, like I said, the case law uh, on, on music in particular um, it was much more American. So the case law that we have on a uh, copyright uh, for artists is not typically in the music industry but it can be and there are some so the purpose of copyright is basically that there's an incentive we want to make an incentive to create and we want to protect the rights of creators and in turn promote societal progress in the arts and sciences so we are also making a claim that artists have a natural right to your own labor and your own personality and your free expression. So if you write a really great song, you should be, in a sense, you know, you're incentivized to write a great song because there's a prospect of that labor coming to fruition. And that's kind of an economic claim because you're saying essentially that you have a right to the fruits of your labor. And what's that going to be? It's going to be money. This was acknowledged in Canada in a case called Teberge. Um, uh, and the uh, Galerie d'Art de Petit Champlain, please excuse my French. I have not lived in Montreal for too long and it has deteriorated. But basically, this case acknowledged that copyright law is more about economic rights and creative work should be viewed as articles of commerce. So in Canada, 
copyright in music is regulated in the Copyright Act, Section 3, Sub 1E, uh, which includes musical works as copyrightable material. Section 2 defines a musical work as any work of music or musical composition or a compilation of them. And to copyright music, so you need, if you want to sue, you need to register it. You also need fixation in a tangible form. There's two cases in Canada that talk about that. Canadian Admirable Court uh, v. Rediffusion Inc. and Gold Estate v. Stoddard Publishing. Uh, the next thing is interesting for our purposes. It's originality. And this means that you're exercising your skill and judgment to create. So this is going to incorporate a use of knowledge, develop aptitude, ability in producing the work, reusing your capacity for discernment, using your ability to form an opinion or evaluation, comparing different possible options when you're producing that work. That's kind of the components that make up originality considerations in copyright. This was uh, established in CCH Canadian Limited versus the Law Society of Upper Canada in 2004. There's also a moral component that's in the Copyright Act. So section 14.1 and 14.2 do appeal to moral rights because they give you a right to be associated with the work. So this isn't necessarily about what money you're going to make from the work, but that you're going to be recognized as someone that has produced something that's valuable to people. And those are moral rights. Let's get back to these musical lawsuits for a second. There's a huge spike in musical copyright lawsuits. These are like, this has been happening throughout the years. And this has made us think about what parts of a song can be copyrighted. So think about the requirements of copyright for a second. Registration, fixation, originality. Originality is probably where most of the musical lawsuits kind of hinge on. So. You might think, okay, yeah, you can copyright a melody and a lyrics. These are things that require original originality, the use of skill and judgment to produce. But some melodies sound really similar. A hook of a song can be cop copyrighted, obviously, because that's usually the most memorable part of the song. And then that gets back to the fact that Copyright is concerned about substantial parts of the work. So if you copy something, what matters is that you're copying a core feature of, say, a song. Is it the song, is it the part of the song that everybody knows or can recognize right away? This was established in a case, in a case called Sinar Corporation and Robinson. Lyrics can also be copyrighted. It's, it's difficult because word possibilities are also finite just like chord progressions are so are melodies so th it's the probability that counts there's definitely a lot of considerations going into this another sort of consideration with copyrighted music that uh, a friend of mine who's also a musician had brought up is that there's almost a sort of genericization happening in music genericization is typically used with issues of uh, trademarks and passing off and not copyright 
but there's something that's kind of resembling that right now uh, with music that is creating a problem for the legal landscape because a lot of times there's a kind of rhythm or melody or something like that that becomes really popular or a hook or riff and a lot of songs might begin with the same kind of say bass riff or drum melody or sorry <laughs> drum rhythm so that might create a problem because then it's like well if i'm trying to make a hit i might want to be you know using a sort of pattern that is recognizable and that i know people are going to like because it's trendy and at what point would they would something become generic and not associated with a particular artist because of how trendy it is and because of how proliferated it becomes so that is one consideration it's kind of a side consideration to think about i'm not really going to be talking about genericization but are we reaching a point where we're is it just because is it just that people are getting too litigious comes to copyright or are we just release uh, reaching a point in in music where the industry or the market is just asking for a similar sounding kind of thing over and over but i want to get to the philosophy of copyright now i'm going to talk about property justifications some of these might be familiar from first year property law or if you're a philosophy major you probably heard some of these as well. I know the name Hegel generates fear in people's hearts, but I promise this is actually pretty straightforward. So the first justification is what's called a personality-based justification. In this case, individuals have moral claims to their own talents, their own feelings, uh, their experiences, and basically you self-actualize by controlling objects and mixing yourself with the object and making something out of it. So when I play piano, it's an object. I'm using my knowledge of the instrument. I'm using my own hands to create something with it. And that is a, an actualization of my own will. So I'm exercising my will on the instrument. So there's a moral claim to, say, control a song that I write on the piano because it is kind of an extension of my being in a way. And a common objection to this is, well, do you own your feelings or your experiences? And do you have a moral claim to it? Because again, like especially with copyright, we can't just say like, oh, okay, I got to my piano and I played something and that's that. There are other requirements. But I think it might have force in the originality justification, and especially when we're talking about our moral claim, our moral right to be associated with the work. Because if I'm, you know, extending my will upon an object, I want have it associated with me. Especially with music, you know, you're kind of a lot of songs are really expressive. And the second justification is a utilitarian justification, and it's incentive based. So. We kind of talked about that a bit at the beginning. You know, we want to incentivize people putting creative works out into society. So basically when we give these rights to musicians, we're encouraging them to make more songs that we like to listen to, that benefit us, that make us feel good. This seems very similar to the model 
that we have here, but it is an empirical question about whether copyright encourages creating works versus stifling them. And that's kind of the issue that I've had with this framework. So, you know, we might say, yeah, like copyright is to incentivize creativity. That's why we're giving these limited ownership rights. But in giving these limited ownership rights, are we actually stifling creativity because there's a threat of a lawsuit lingering over your head? So if we want to like, you know, put that forward, we need to make sure that the way that our copyright laws are right now are actually encouraging more creativity or whether or not they have a chilling effect. In which case then that's not really the justification for our copyright laws or it is a justification but our laws are not fulfilling that justification the last one is the Lockean justification uh, based on the theory of John Locke very influential philosopher basically inspired the US Constitution so basically Locke is saying that you gain your property right by mixing your labor with the object or the land. Don't know how accurate it is to call something like a piano a land, but you know. So basically what the point is that you're entitled to what you produce because you're taking time, you're taking effort, you're taking your own skill to do it and you're exercising that upon say a piano. This kind of sounds like a, the conception that Beverly McLaughlin stated, basically that, you know, you're for originality, that you're using your skill and judgment. So in this view, it wouldn't matter if we encourage more creative works, or maybe not as much. It would what would matter is protecting the artist. It's not utility based. We're not saying okay, we want our copyright laws to make it so that we're making as much good music as possible. We're saying you're an artist, that is a worthwhile endeavor, you deserve protection um, for exercising your skill and judgment, you deserve recognition, and so forth. Now, I mean, these things can overlap because we might say, well, an artist is not going to produce creative works that benefit us all if they don't get the recognition that they deserve. So they're not necess necessarily mutually exclusive. I see it more as a matter of prioritization. And that's another thing that, you know, because I talked both about the economic model and the moral model. What's discussed as well in the philosophy of copyright is, you know, sort of economic versus artistic interests. That argument here is that the interest is not about getting money for your work if you're a musician, right? If I'm putting out music, maybe I'm just saying, yeah, I'm passionate about music, it's not about the money. In this case, it's just about being able to live as an artist. So you just want to get enough money that would be necessary. Beyond that, maybe you'd want to have a social position where you can develop your talents and not be burdened with the duties that might impede your art. So this might be different than say, a non-artistic endeavor that you would want to say put out onto the market and maximize profit in this case it's about you know having a sort of vocation wanting to do it for your, the rest of your life and wanting to subsist off of it 
I mean, it is debatable as to how much difference there is here, and I would definitely be curious to hear people's thoughts. Um, but that's just definitely um, that's an, that's kind of something to consider. And this was first brought to question in the Musical Quarterly in 1916. So people have been thinking about this for a really long time. So I guess that brings us back to you know where do we go from here? Right, because now are we like what you know this is becoming more of a mainstream problem where Ed Sheeran like I said before is coming out and saying this is a this is an issue uh, in the music industry where labels are, are getting worried and, and so forth so what are we going to do about this what I hope is that by you know going through some ethical justifications we can reason through and think about why we have copyright and whether it's doing the job that we want it to do i think a lot of artists who would typically have an interest in having the strong copyright laws right like someone like ed sheeran uh would ostensibly want a strong copyright law because he's extremely famous he probably doesn't want people copying his music he wants to be associated with his own art but when you have artists that are now expressing concern about this it might mean that there's a genuine problem with stifling creativity again we have to bring it back to considering you know why what is the purpose of these laws and i think that with all of the justifications that we went through namely the self-actualization justification, the utilitarian justification, and the Lockean one, there's definitely a case to be made that musical creativity and copyright uh, and so forth, our copyright of music is just going to have an inevitable relationship with musical creativity because we're essentially saying, you know, this is a somewhat unique piece of work that someone has accomplished doing and they have the right to be associated with it so it'll always kind of have that moral element even when there's a utilitarian justification because i don't think it will be easy to justify something on you i don't think that you can incentivize art without at least acknowledging as a social fact that artists want to be associate associated with their work in general so that's something to be considered and I think also we need to with all three of these considerations we also should assume that artists want as much space for creativity as possible so they can exercise their will upon these objects and self-actualize you know they can be incentivized to go into the market with their music and you know they can mix their labor with an object and produce the fruits of those labor of, of that labor that they're then entitled to so i think even with like all mainstream justifications we can definitely acknowledge that this concern is a valid one and i think you know there's been some creative sort of solutions by people like damien real and noah rubin who put these midi files under the creative commons uh, it doesn't seem like it'll really be enough, but I do think that, like I said, it's good to consider or stop and think why we have copyright, 
what it's doing for us as artists and you know what changes we might want to make if it's not doing what we were hoping for it to do so that's all i don't want to make this go on and on and on just thought i'd offer that insight so thank you everyone for listening and thank you to professor fessinger for this class and teaching me all these things about copyright it's definitely been useful not just copyright just all intellectual property it's been useful to me and i'm sure to many others who have an interest in the music industry and who make music themselves so thank you very much everyone and i'll see you next time